Welcome, learners and learn-it alike, to help teach. Hello and welcome to our community audio project. I am your host, editor, producer, and project co-lead, Mihai Kovasser. I'm also a youth living with a physical disability. My most formative experiences living with a disability have come in the Canadian public education system. Many students like me with physical, emotional, or mental challenges go through their years of schooling lacking the supports and accommodations they need to partake of the same opportunities offered to their peers. The vision of this project is to provide educators in Canadian classrooms, students with disabilities, and members of the general public with the tools and knowledge that they need to make our institutions more accessible and inclusive for all. Join me and a diverse cast of guests as we explore perspectives on disabilities in education in this podcast series. One last message for you teachers tuning in. Listen in each episode for our key takeaway that you can implement in your classroom today to help us further this vision. Without further ado, I'd love to introduce our guest for today's episode, Maggie Manning. Hello, Maggie. Hi, good morning. Great to have you on today. So why don't you just start by telling us a little bit about yourself? Um, you know, well, what are you doing right now? Where are you situated? What's going on with you? Yeah, so um, I'm currently in Kamloops, BC, and I am in my fourth year of university. I'm taking respiratory therapy. So I am in full full coursework right now. It's definitely challenging, but mm-hmm. it's um, a very rewarding career. I am also a youth living with a physical disability. I was born with developmental dysplasia of the hip. And so I've had 12 surgeries on my hips to kind of reconstruct them so that I can get a better quality of life. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Well, thank you for that. You know, I think for uh, the, the first half of this episode today, there's a couple things that I wanted to touch on with you. Um, and, and you sort of started to mention it here about just how involved it can be to, to to live with a disability and to have to go through the procedures or the treatments or, or, or what it is to, as you say, raise our quality of life. So uh, I'd love to talk a little bit about, you know, living with a disability as a long-term thing, as, as a journey. So um, why, why don't you tell me a little bit about that? What How does it feel for you in terms of, you know, looking back on, on your experiences so far? How does that feel for you Um you know, to, to have that be as, as a journey. I know that's something you mentioned to me. Yeah, so, you know, it's living with a disability is obviously challenging. It has its own unique um, barriers that it comes with. And depending on the disability, everybody's different. For me, um, a lot of times it's been participation and um, accessibility within the built environment. So having ramps and having railings and stairs and those type of things. Mm-hmm. So um, there's definitely a host of different different um, challenges that come with it. But ultimately, I really look at my disability as a positive thing. Um, I am so thankful for all the friendships like you and all my other friends that mm-hmm. have come from living with a disability and um, something that's really unique and I'd like to talk about it more, but um, the disability community and finding kind of a niche within this this minority um yeah it's 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 something that's really hard to explain to a lot of able-bodied people because it's just like there's this un- 
underlying understanding that comes within the disabled community. Yeah, that's so interesting. You know, that's something that I never really... Um, I, I always experienced it as well with a bit of surprise, the fact that I had to tell people that and explain to people in a way that they could understand that, you know, living with a disability has benefits or has like at least aspects to it that are much like living in any other community, as you say, or having any other niche um, in, in society, which is to say that, yeah, we we have our challenges. We know what those are. I mean, we, we don't, um, you know, we don't, see living with a disability as as a you know strictly positive thing but at the same time as you say there are so many sort of friendships and niches and all kinds of things that you can find along the way that really i don't know help help you to to flourish as as a human being much like you do in in any other situation and it's interesting you know to, as you say to have to talk to people about that and have them change their perspective on that Totally. Yeah. I mean, I think it's really important to acknowledge like the disabled community too, like, um, and how special those connections can be. I recently just came back from a sledge or para ice hockey camp and, um, because of COVID I hadn't been with this disabled community for so long, um, almost three years and going back this weekend, it was so rejuvenating because it was just like, I'm with my people and like, <laughs> I can just have fun and be myself and it was it was really awesome yeah yeah absolutely you know um and it just it it really helps to have the opportunity to um you know having a community is interesting because it means it really promotes well-being in that you have a place where you're understood right like you have a place where you don't have to explain everything where you don't have to um sort of tread on on glass when it comes to you know having conversations and being worried about how you'll be treated and all that kind of thing and as you say there are so many i mean i myself um have been uh, have done a couple of adapted sports as well i mean i do adapted taekwondo um and it's it's so interesting to as you say to just have that place to go and to uh and to talk to people and and they they get it right. I mean, and, and they all participate and include you as such, which is, which is really great. Mm -hmm. I think that one of the experiences, like being back with that community this weekend is like, we were getting changed in the dressing room and I just happened to fall, which is something that, just, that happens to me. Cause I have mm -hmm. kind of balance that is sometimes goes off. And um, if that had happened in front of a lot of my able-bodied friends, they'd be coming over and be like, Oh my gosh, are you okay? And it's so embarrassing. <laughs> Whereas with this, we all just laughed because it was so funny because we all have that experience where all of a sudden it's just like we're on the floor. <laughs> you know, that that's so interesting. I, I never uh, I never had an experience like that. So it's really interesting to hear because, no, you're you're right. I mean, I used to go through through elementary school, especially when my uh, my balance has improved over time. Right. As I mentioned in the first episode for for people who are uh, or maybe for people who are just tuning in, I live with cerebral palsy. Uh, it's a variation called spastic diplegia, which means my legs, uh, some muscles in my legs are stiffer than they should be, and that affects how I walk. So yeah, when I was little, balance and, and, and uh, coordination wasn't as great. And so, yeah, I, I'd fall, especially in places where you wouldn't expect things like, you know, concrete staircases and all that kind of thing, and I'd, and I'd take a spill, and all my friends would be like, oh my god, or, you know, are you okay, what's going on? And I'd get up, and I'm like... I, I don't I don't see a scratch I don't see a bruise like I do this every day <laughs> I'm good <laughs> just another day yeah yeah and you know um 
One other thing I wanted to touch on with you, uh, speaking of sort of having a community and building those experiences over time, is how how do we get here? How do we get to the point of of advocating as youths with disabilities for other youths with disabilities? Because I think that's something super interesting that, um, you know, because uh, it, it seems almost uh, that people are under the assumption that either you have no way of, of becoming an advocate or you have no way of, of sort of engaging in experiences like this or all people with disabilities necessarily do something like this, right? Without any in-between. So how did you come to to advocating in your own personal experience? You know, that's a really tough question because there's so many different avenues you can go down to become an advocate. And I think initially the concept of being an advocate is super daunting because you feel like you almost feel like you're representing like a huge group of people but in reality it could just be like you're just representing yourself and through that hopefully you're helping the greater population and um, for me personally I really enjoy sharing my lived experience and so sharing what it's like to be a disabled person and um, to be living in society with some physical challenges that a lot of people don't have and there is also a lot of people in the disabled community who don't have a voice and who don't have advocates. So to be able to be that voice and to push um, to push towards more accessibility and inclusion in Canada specifically is is really important. You know, I really love a couple of the things that you said there. First of all, that you're just representing yourself. You know, I mean, I've always had as a motto for myself when I go to fundraising events or when I host, you know, initiatives of my own to show people what we can do rather than what we cannot do um, and, and to sort of shift that focus. And, and I really love how you phrase that, that you're you're really just being, you're, you don't have to be a symbol for all people with disabilities, say, in the country in order to be an advocate, because you can't be, right? Everyone has their own lived experience and their own unique stories. And the ability for us to just share ours, I think that's, um, well, that, that was really well put. I really appreciate that. And you're right, not everyone can or wants to do that. And that's okay, too. I mean, as long as you're able to um, engage and connect with people that can help you to reach those to access those resources that you need and to and to raise your quality of life in a way that and to achieve the goals that you really that you that you have as an individual in in a society i think that's that's what really matters and that's what we're aiming for right so it's uh it's a privilege to be able to do that for people totally and, you know, uh, you mentioned also, we started talking a little bit about disability sports, and I think that that's a great segue into what we want to talk about next. So why don't we take a little break here? And when we come back, don't go anywhere, audience members. <laughs> when we come back, we're going to be talking about uh, PE class and the adaptations that need to be made in the school system for people with physical disabilities like myself and Maggie. So we'll be right back. Don't go anywhere. Welcome back to Help Teach. In this episode, I'm talking to Maggie Manning, and we're just about to get on the subject of PE class. Oh boy, what a subject for us. <laughs> hey, Maggie. Oh, yes. So, 
the the reason Maggie and I are laughing here is it's sort of a oh it's almost an inside joke amongst youths living with physical disabilities that PE class in a public school system is just it's an adventure. It's it's something something otherworldly. Um, <laughs> so so I'll I'll uh, leave it to you, Maggie, to start off here. What what do you want to tell us about that? What what's your experience been like? Yeah, you know, it is definitely almost an inside joke, and unfortunately, that is what it is because PE class is so difficult, especially in the public school system. Um, for those living with disabilities. So for me, I was never able to really participate past grade four or five in normal PE activities. And that was mainly just due to going through surgeries and treatment and um, not being able to physically keep up with my peers at that point. And so uh, <laughs> the option was to sit at the side. Mm. And that was what I did for most of PE. And that's how I got my credits for it being a required class up until high school. Um, yeah, it's definitely challenging. Once I got to high school, there you only had to do up until grade 10. So I did two years of what they call online physical education, which I don't know how that works, but <laughs> it's definitely uh, was a very unique experience. Yeah, no, I've done some some online PE myself. For for students out there that are listening, even yes, that is a thing you can do is PE online. Um, don't tell your teachers, but we recommend it. It works <laughs> if you if if you have some kind of challenges with with doing PE at school. But um, no, that that aspect of sitting on the side. I mean, that's uh, we were talking about advocacy right in our first half, and and that's what really set me on my journey uh, back in grade four. I and I'll, I'll remember this probably for for the rest of my life. But uh, they brought in a karate master right to our class to do a demonstration, do a demo class of punching and kicking and self defense and all that kind of thing. And naturally, uh, at at my age and my stage of development, then it just wasn't something that I could that I could do. And there was no plan B, there was no backup, and so I ended up spending that entire gym class on a bench on the far side of the gym, uh, away from the class, watching everyone participate. And, you know, I came home, I mean, feeling shunned, honestly, right? Feeling feeling like I just didn't belong there. And that's really one of the key moments that set me on this journey to change education um, for students like me, not just in gym class, but, but in all aspects. And yeah, no, you're right. It's it's definitely being the the bench is is probably one of the uh, the, the the monsters of uh, experience for for youths like us. But it totally uh, is. Yeah. No. Go ahead if you have something to say there. No, I was just gonna say it totally is kind of the monster, and I think for me, I really struggled with it because outside of school, I was competing on an international level with the Canadian national team for swimming and I was looked at as such an athlete and so ambitious and um and educate physical education and but if I go into class in PE I would just be sitting on the sidelines and it was so hard to be like known as a super athletic pe person but not with my peers absolutely I mean just for I think that that's key, right? For anyone listening, how does that happen, right? That a that a national level swimming athlete like Maggie here can't or is not allowed or is not 
you know supported in doing pe i mean <laughs> where where is that disconnect coming from and um well and, and you know i what i really like to say on this issue is that it's not like it's all the teacher's fault or anything like that and that's something i like to yeah. make super clear when i make these talks right because you know it, it's easy to point fingers and, and and start blaming people and say oh the teachers are, are are so mean and they don't let us participate but it's incredibly difficult to be a teacher nowadays you know and to to be faced with all kinds of youth with varying abilities in your classroom and no training right no on-hand resources no help from administration to manage everybody well that's you know it's a herculean task right um so so it's not uh, that for any educators listening, we're not, uh, you know, we're, we're, we understand perfectly how difficult it is for you to make this happen. But, you know, ideally in giving you some of these messages and these key takeaways, we can give you a hand. Right. So it is definitely a larger systemic problem. It's not just a one school or one teacher. It's it's largely across the country. And I know across North America, at least. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. But you know, it's it's not all bad either. Um, we were talking uh, earlier, and you were mentioning some of the opportunities that you've got to have uh, through other organizations at your school. Wanna wanna touch on those? Yeah, for sure. So, I think one of the most memorable um, PE experiences I ever had was in grade seven, where I walked into PE class, ready to go sit on the bench in the corner of the gym, and right in front of me sat about 20 wheelchair basketball sports wheelchairs and i was like no way there can't th like what is happening here um it was shocking honestly to see an accessible pe class and um i didn't know this was happening so i went and got changed and because i knew i was going to be able to participate this gym class and um it turns out that there's some programs through we see wheelchair basketball foundation and let's play and it's also sponsored by the rick hansen foundation and um they bring sports wheelchairs to districts across british columbia um so that people can get a not just the disabled students but the whole class can get an experience with adaptive sport that's awesome you know um it, it must have been shocking right just to to have that kind of experience um Completely. yeah no i yeah, I, I remember uh, this was in grade six now. So a couple of years after the events that I'd mentioned about uh, about the karate instructor is when my Taekwondo master uh, was invited to the school to do... This wasn't in gym class, but this was sort of an extra after-school thing. He was invited to do a little demo of Taekwondo. And, you know, now uh, as I'd been getting better with my balance and everything and I was determined after that experience to, to sort of try something new, I, I went to go see it and um, absolutely it, it, it changed my path, right? And now I'm getting ready actually for my, for my black belt test um, in, in the next couple of months here uh, in Adaptive Taekwondo. And it just, it's, it's fantastic, right? How one organization or one event or one person can really set you on a different path. It really is, you know, after that day when my friends got to experience what it was like to have, to take part in and to have the opportunity to sit in a wheelchair and, and propel themselves and understand something that I would go through on a daily basis, they completely 
had their their like viewpoint on disability shift in we're like wow like this is actually its own very unique sport this doesn't have to just be for adaptive sports and like this is a lot of fun and you know from that that week forward that week that we had those chairs and we were allowed to go in at lunchtime and use them and play around with our friends it was just it changed their viewpoint on disabilities too and at a young age that is so important and then going forward they definitely were more advocating for like inclusion and wanting to um, get me in PE and and be a part of their games because it's possible. Outstanding. So you would say that that event really created lasting change in your in your experience in your community, right? Yeah, definitely. <laughs> and that that's really key, you know, to to be able to engage and and you know, there are so many schools that are underfunded, that are understaffed, that just don't have the the kind of capability to do these kinds of events but at the same time there are so many resources some of which i'll just rattle off here for you educators listening to take a look at um rick hansen foundation first and foremost as representatives of the organization maggie and i both know how great that they are in terms of the resources that they provide ambassadorship presentations uh you know sort of bite-sized lessons they call them for the classroom all kinds of, of wealth of resources really that you can use um that that just give you those tools right to be able to have your peers uh, or your students who are you know both with and without disabilities to learn more about the issue and to and to make that change so uh, Rick Hansen Foundation is great for it like Maggie said there are uh, BC wheelchair foundation um, wheelchair basketball foundation they um, are another group that that does events like these and many adaptive sports have their own representation and their own groups out there that you can take a look at um, Let's play, as Maggie mentioned, um, and and many others. So we'll we'll make sure to keep updating that list for you in the in future episodes. But those are some great places to start to just do a bit of research and see what's going on in the world of of adaptive sports. So then, why don't we take it to uh, uh, seeing as we're running out of time here? Why don't we take it to our key takeaway for educators for this episode? Um, I'll I'll give you the honors, Maggie, if you would like. Why don't you? Uh, Tell teachers what they can do. Yeah, of course. So when you look at things you can do to adapt a PE class, it can be very daunting. And I totally understand that because every child has their own needs. And obviously, they're, like we mentioned earlier, it's it's a lot to deal with, especially when you're under-supported and underfunded. And so one of the things that I think could really be helpful is making a list of those students who need adaptations, knowing who they are, identifying them, and having a conversation with them about what they do need to do to get involved in this PE class. Because ultimately, it's not about it's not about getting that that thirty minutes of exercise in. It's about including everybody, so they all feel welcome, included, and you have accessible um, education. And so, it could be something as simple as giving a student a head start in dodgeball so that they can all get going at the same time. And, you know, it doesn't have to be anything complicated. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So just to reiterate that for you educators, just make a list maybe at the beginning of the year when you plan your class as a PE teacher, or maybe in between, uh, say, the, 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 even the night before you plan your next gym class. You know you want to play dodgeball in the next class to get kids moving around. Take a look. Who do you have in your class and what do they need? Uh, if you took our advice from last episode, you will have had a conversation with them to identify what their needs are, generally speaking, get to know them a little bit, and just make a quick list, right? 
What can I do to help them? Can I give them a couple of dodgeballs that are not on the center line so that they can start back on their side and they don't have to run back and forth and they can get that head start and, and, and get in the game, right? So just make a list of those students and make a list of a couple small adjustments for, for the next sport or game you plan to play. And honestly, it just takes a few minutes of your time. And I think that it can really be a, a, a you know, a foundational moment or really a, a, a changing moment for for students to to get that experience and to be included in that way yeah and i just wanted to point out that something that small makes such a huge difference in the life of somebody with living with a disability just like me has said and also my story it, they both started um around sports and pe and it's definitely an area that is being worked on but that is also um, progressing significantly so something small can have a very large lasting change well i really appreciate you coming on for this conversation maggie it's uh, it was great to have you and thank you very much for your insight yeah thank you for having me you've just heard another episode of the community audio project help teach i'd like to give a huge thank you to my other co-leads on this project peyton given maggie manning elise Doucette, and alexis holmgren all youth leaders at the Rick Hansen Foundation, who I'd also like to thank for their continued support in this initiative and others. Big thank you to Every Canadian Counts and their hashtag Rising Youth Initiative for funding this project. I'd like to give a huge shout out to our community mentor for this project, Charles Kutsia, and to our professional contact helping in the editing process, Chester Hall. My name is Miha Kovasar. I'm your host, editor, and producer for this podcast series. And you can look forward to finding this podcast on Spotify and Apple Podcasts soon. Also, in the show description on either site, you will be able to find a link directly to my website where we will be posting transcripts for each episode for whoever would like to access those. And any further links to other resources will also be put in the show description. So everything that I talked about in this episode, you can find handy in the notes once we post it. Tune in next time for more great conversations and key takeaways that you educators can implement in the classroom today to make it a more accessible and inclusive place for all. Thank you for listening, and I'll see you next time.